0: Hi, this is and welcome to Reasonable and Necessary, Australia's premier podcast series on everything you ever wanted to know about the National Disability Insurance Scheme. I'm your host, Dr George Talaphoris, and on today's episode we're talking about safety and quality under the NDIS. So while the National Disability Insurance Agency might be providing the funding for your disability supports. It's not the job of the agency to ensure quality. That responsibility lies with a separate agency, the newly established NDIS Quality and Safeguards Commission. To learn more, I'm very lucky to announce that we have here in our studios Commissioner Mr Graham Head. Welcome, Graham. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, George. Good to be here. So you're the head of the commission and the name is Graham Head. Any coincidence there? No, you're not the
1: first person to ask that question, but um, but I think there's I think I can say without fear of contradiction that it's not my surname that caused me to
0: to put my hand up for this. So what did cause you to put your hand up for this role?
1: Uh I think that the NDIS is an extraordinarily important uh, initiative in uh, what it's seeking to do, and I believe that the quality and safeguarding arrangements that have been put in place are long overdue and a really important uh, set of tools to really improve uh, outcomes for people, and I wanted to be a part of uh, making that happen.
0: Do you have any personal experience with disability?
1: So I don't have a disability myself, and neither do any of my direct family members. Uh, I have close friends uh, with disability. I've had colleagues over the years with disability, and I've done some work on disability issues in previous roles. Most recently, when I was the Public Service Commissioner in New South Wales, and did some work to help turn around the decline in disability-related employment in, uh, in the public sector. That's
0: a very important goal. Mm, it is. Now, people are going to want to know what is this Quality and Safeguards Commission and, and, and what's it going to do?
1: So, um, as part of the arrangements for setting up the NDIS, Governments agreed a couple of years ago almost uh, to a quality and safeguarding framework to address some of the long-standing issues associated with quality of services but also safety uh, issues and uh, governments agreed to a framework signed up to by uh, the Prime Minister and Premiers of States and Territories late in 2017, and the Commission is the new national body that's really been set up to put that framework in place. And what that means is we will register service providers and uh, and require them to have the necessary auditing, certification or verification, depending on what supports they provide and we'll have the powers to uh, take uh, compliance uh, action uh, in respect of service providers. Importantly, uh, the Commission will receive complaints from uh, participants or uh, other members of the community about the provision of services to uh, people with disability. We will be doing really important work um, through our behaviour support program, on working to, over time, reduce and eliminate the use of restrictive practices, and we'll have uh, an array of other uh, uh, functions that are related to those core functions. So it's a pretty broad um, set of functions that we've got around all of the key planks of safety and quali- uh, and uh, about safety and quality.
0: That's a lot of responsibilities. Um, you, you mentioned uh, registering services. Um, my understanding of the NDIS is that people have choice over whether they um, go with a registered or unregistered provider, um, if, for example, they're self managing or um, as opposed to being agency managed. Um, can you just sort of explain for people that might not be? That's familiar. What kind of powers do you have over registered providers? What, what, what powers do you have?
1: So um, I might take a step back and just say that um, in the same way that choice and control is an important feature of the um, design of the NDIS to date, that's reflected in the design of the quality and safeguarding arrangements. There are some features of the new quality and safeguarding system that apply to all providers whether they're registered or not. There's a new code of conduct which very uh, simply uh, sets out um, reasonable expectations about how people involved in the delivery of services uh, to NDIS participants would be expected to behave. whether your service providers are registered or not, that code applies to them. So it's a really important new tool for people to ensure that um, services are being provided to them in a respectful way that recognises their rights.
0: And that kind of conduct could be really useful for a person with a disability to be familiar with because they could go to their provider and say, Oh, conduct number two talks about privacy. You just shared all my private information with you know, family members that I didn't agree to, for example. Is that how you see people um, empowering themselves with the code?
1: Yeah, I think the code is a really important and simple new tool for people. Um, we as a regulator, of course, can use the code in a more conventional Um, regulatory uh, manner, um, but participants themselves, people with disability, will be able to use the code as a tool when they're self-managing. And also, they can make complaints to us about um, circumstances where they believe that services are not being provided in compliance with the code. So it's a really important new feature of the system. You asked me about the powers uh, we have in respect of registered providers. So, first, we do form the registration function. So, for those uh, registration groups uh, that uh, providers are registered for, they make an application to us, Um, we determine whether or not they uh, meet the criteria for registration, and then we can place conditions on that registration. If you are a registered provider, There are two pathways to uh, your registration. If you are not providing complex supports, you might only require a very simple verification process that checks that you are what you say you are and you're qualified to uh, do the sorts of things you're offering. For people uh, providing more complex uh, supports, their registration process requires an audit against new practice standards that are part of the quality and safeguarding framework. So that registration process is um, right at its heart about an uplift in quality and, of course, we have the capacity to monitor people's compliance with their certificate of registration and uh, their actions in response to audit findings and to take actions. people
0: aren't doing the right thing. Now we know that there's a real history of um, bad behaviour um, in the disability sector, particularly um, when you uh, look at the results of the uh, the Ombudsman report here in Victoria. Um, there was a, a national uh, inquiry um, a couple of years ago that showed that abuse in a correct Right, particularly in um, in support of accommodation. Do you think that will change as a result of having this new commission?
1: So the point you make that it's a new commission is an important point. We've never had a national body whose job it is to think and act uh, on these issues. Uh, and that's its sole purpose. So I think the focus that Quality and Safeguards Commission brings uh, is a really important development. Um, it's also the case that one of our functions is that we receive reports of what are defined as reportable incidents, so they include Uh, where there is abuse or neglect of a person uh, with a disability. So there are new obligations on providers to report a whole range of matters which means that we then can, uh, I guess, have a higher level of visibility of where there is poor behaviour uh, and a capacity to... Uh, to respond to those things. So it is a significant new development and I do expect absolutely that the uh, Commission's establishment and its powers in relation to those things are going to make a big difference in that area.
0: Did the Commission, uh, the new Commission, a the Commission um, particularly um, uh, based on the fact that you have... Uh, been established after we know a lot more about this issue of abuse uh, of people with disabilities. Has it has it learned from from all the all the terrible things that have happened previously? Do you think that it it, it has learned and so will now be able to translate that into real action for people?
1: Well I do think that um the Commission has been created at a time where there is a lot of knowledge and awareness of these issues, and we've been given functions and powers that relate to those issues. And I think, importantly, we've also established very good relationships with some of the organisations that have been doing work on these issues in the past. So, in, uh, in terms of implementation, South Australia and New South Wales come into the jurisdiction of the Quality and Safeguards Commission from 1 July this year Um, and most of the rest of the country comes in on 1 July in 2019. Um, As part of leading up to New South Wales and South Australia coming in, we have been doing a lot of work with organisations in those jurisdictions that have worked on those issues. So, for instance, the New South Wales Ombudsman's Office. So, it's not like we're starting without any sense of uh, what the issues have been and what some of the good work has been. So, the model we're taking in setting up the Commission is to, in fact, build into some of our processes the learnings that have been drawn by Um, organisations such as the New South Wales Ombudsman in some of the work that it's done in this area. There's been very good, um, not just consultation, but collaboration between the organisations in setting up our processes.
0: Sounds really positive. I might move now to some of the the practical uh, things that people might want to know. yeah for example, um, there might be people listening who are unhappy with their services, who are funded they're funded by the NDIS they um, They're accessing a service, a registered service, and they they're not happy with that. Um, what, what what can they do? It's
1: important for people to understand that the the commission's got a very specific role that relates to quality and safeguards. So if you're a person with uh, receiving support through the NDIS, if you've got a problem with your plan or plan review process, that remains a matter for the agency, and the agency's complaint processes relate to that. But if you're, uh, if you have a complaint about the conduct of a service provider or a quality or safety issue related to uh, the services you're receiving, you'll be able to contact uh, the Quality and Safeguards Commission and we will be able to help you with that complaint. Uh, even where you contact us about something that's not directly our responsibility, we'll work with you to get you to the right organisation to. Uh, have your complaint dealt with properly, so we want to make the process, we want to encourage people to speak up and we want people, once they've spoken up, to be supported to get to the right person in terms of that complaint being handled.
0: I think that's really reassuring because people want to at least know the sum of where they can go. You've also made that really important distinction that um, I think people need to you know, really remember is that you're not there to respond to complaints about the NDIS itself. No, and right. um, that, that is um, effectively um, done through uh, you know, the AAT, and um, the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, or through .com on the Commonwealth Ombudsman or other other avenues. So um, that comes to view around the services themselves
1: services and the quality and safety issues related to those. So in particular, um, I think people being, we will do a lot of work to reach out to participants over the coming months about what the Code of Conduct says, because that's a really, really important uh, way of saying there are certain fundamental things that you should expect your service providers to do, and where they're not doing that in the first instance we would encourage people to raise those issues with their service providers but if they feel uncomfortable doing that or if uh if they feel that they've raised the issues and they've not been heard um or they're not being responded to then making a complaint to the commission is exactly what we would encourage people to do
0: what if they want to complain about the commission
1: well uh if they want to Complain about the Commission. Uh, They can complain directly to us, like all organisations. We will uh, have processes around um, getting feedback about our own performance, including how we deal with complaints about our own performance. And if people are not happy with how we've responded, then again, um, there are. Um, some things that they would be able to uh, take to the Commonwealth Ombudsman and, of course, some of our decisions uh, that we make as an organisation are reviewable decisions and can be considered in the uh, AAT, etc. But that's more uh, in relation to decisions we make about providers.
0: I'm really interested in um, understanding, I think, there'll be um, people who um, want a better understanding of how to, how to know when they should complain and how to know um, when it's just the ladies and you know There, there are people who um, just might feel like they're unhappy, but does that mean they should make a complaint? or? Um, but yeah, At what point does someone go to that point of calling you? Or are you happy for people to just call you and say, oh, look, I'm just not quite sure if, if this is a problem, I'm just not... I'm not sure if this is something you can help with.
1: Well I think it's very important that people, if they feel uncomfortable about something that's happening related to the services that they're receiving, that they feel that they can act on that um, discomfort and uh, we would encourage, one of the things that we will do is try and reach out through a range of organisations and to participants directly to make sure that people understand the code of conduct, understand how they can make it work for them, but certainly if people are unsure about things and they're not sure who they can talk to about something that is making them feel uncomfortable, then it's absolutely fine for them to contact us even if that doesn't result in a formal complaint. They may be able to clarify the issue, they may get some additional uh, information and they may or may not decide, depending on that, whether they're going to lodge a formal
0: complaint. Is it better to raise a complaint first with the provider?
1: Yes. Typically that would be what we encourage people to do because um, really uh, what we would expect is that there's good two-way communication between uh, people receiving supports and their service providers, and that it's a natural part of being in that relationship that you would raise things about problems you're having. Um, So we would always encourage people, if they feel comfortable to do so, to, in the first instance, raise issues with providers. But if they don't feel comfortable doing that and they're feeling uncomfortable about something about their supports then uh, they should raise the matter with somebody uh, else and they may determine to raise the matter with us.
0: There may be some people listening who want to call you, they want to complain, they are unhappy with their service, Uh, but they're afraid, they're afraid of retribution, they're afraid that their service provider might um, get angry or in some way uh, respond in a way that that makes them feel even more unsafe. What would you say to them?
1: So what I would say to them is that the system as we're building it is about both encouraging people to speak up but also supporting people so that when they speak up um, The fact that they've spoken up produces a positive outcome for them, not a negative situation. So the Commission is um, establishing its complaints function with very experienced people who've worked extensively in this space before, including um, uh, disability-related complaints in uh, in, uh, another jurisdiction. So we're really conscious of the fact that Uh, it's important for people to feel safe when they speak up and that means that we have to have the right uh, skills in our staff who are handling those matters who understand those feelings and sensitivities but also the right processes to safeguard people uh, when they're making a complaint.
0: And what do you do with that complaint when you say that? What happens?
1: So um, there's a Lengthy process in the Act, as you can imagine, which I won't go uh, through. But essentially, there's an obligation on the organisation to um, examine every complaint it receives and determine whether or not it's going to take it further or um, what it's going to do with the complaint. And really, it depends on the nature of the issue or what we would either suggest happens or what we would. Um, determine, so we might, for instance, receive a complaint about something which we believe requires some kind of uh, investigation and that would then move into a process where we use our various functions and powers to determine the facts of the matter. We might receive a very different kind of complaint which really shows perhaps poor communication between a service provider and a person receiving uh, supports and in that context we would really encourage people to come together and resolve the issue so it's a very um, it's what we call a proportional response which is about really being focused on what what is the person concerned about and what's the appropriate sort of actions to resolve that matter for them because when people complain it's because they are unhappy with something that's happening to them, and they want a different outcome. So the focus of the commission is about working with people to resolve those issues. And sometimes the nature of what's being complained about will be uh, something serious that actually requires uh, the commission to use others other of its powers to deal with that matter. So I think one of the really strong Uh, features of the design of the Commission is that it has the complaints function, it has the reportable incidents function, so certain things providers are legally obliged to tell us about um, uh, that have happened on their watch. And it also has the function of regulating registered providers. So because we uh, have all of those functions, we will have a different visibility of where problems are occurring That will then in turn allow us to be, one, more effective in responding to those problems than people have had in pre-existing arrangements, but two, it will enable us to be more effective in preventing these problems from occurring. So a big part of what we will do is not just respond to individual complaints, but determine sort of where there are patterns of problems happening and then act a bit more proactively with the sector to reduce the, those sorts of problems from
0: occurring. I think that's critical. I mean, we know for every one person that complains there's about 20 other people who are sitting there just dealing with it. So we need to listen to the people who, who are raising issues because they're, they're speaking for many others who for one reason or another um, are not speaking out. That's right. I just want to um, close now, just to to, um, just make sure that people understand um, how this is going to affect them. Now, this is currently uh, uh, applying just to New South Wales and ACT. So, from the first of July,
1: Um, New South Wales and South Australia. So, so the way that the NDIS rollout Mm -hmm. is happening as states and territories move to full scheme, um, one of the things that happens in relation to the quality and safeguards issues is becoming a participating jurisdiction, that's what the Act calls them. So our only two participating jurisdictions as of 1 July this year are New South Wales and South Australia.
0: And that's 1 July 2018. In and a year I'll down the track,
1: 1 July 2019, everybody else other than Western Australia comes in. And then in 2020, 1 July 2020, WA. So, what that really means for uh, your listeners is that if you're um, receiving uh, supports in New South Wales or South Australia, um, From 1 July this year, um, the complaints around um, quality and safety related issues can be made to the Commission, that new code of conduct will apply uh, in your state and we will be the organisation that registers your providers in those two states, not the agency which currently registers those providers and everybody else except WA will come into the tent on 1 July
0: 2019. Okay, and is there a website or how can people yep, find okay. that more? So uh, we have a, a
1: website um,
0: that will be live
1: um, when we open our doors um, at the beginning of July. At the moment, uh, you can uh, access things like the uh, regulatory rules uh, on the website, but it's not yet uh, interactive. It just has uh,
0: some core Products. That's fine for listeners. Um, This will be airing after the 1st of July. So after the 1st of July,
1: they'll be able to go to www.ndiscommission.gov.au. We'll actually make sure you get uh, all of the contact details that you can. uh, include in this podcast so that your uh, listeners
0: have got. Uh, right, and I'm sure that people who are not on the internet, um, there are phone numbers that people can call. Um, there's also going to be obviously um, uh, offices in the, in the in so is there a So office? there'll be
1: um, and the national office yeah. will be in Western Sydney, in New South Wales. There'll be a regional office in Adelaide, and as we uh, move other jurisdictions in next year, there will be offices in each of those states. And we'll um, there will be a national 1800 number for the uh, contact centre, but there will be people on the ground in those jurisdictions who will uh, be working on things like the uh, resolution of complaints, compliance uh, activities and also some parts of the uh, work we will be doing in
0: behaviour support. Fantastic. Before I let you go, are there any final words of uh, advice to people with disabilities who might be thinking about uh, how happy they are with their services and possibly um, uh, thinking about how your commission might help them?
1: I guess the, the point I want to stress is we understand that this is new. This is, this new commission is about raising the bar. It's about um, a new commitment to quality and safeguarding that is a critical component of the NDIS and that we need to help people to understand what these arrangements mean in detail and what Um, it means in terms of what the Commission can do for you. So one of the things that we will be doing over the next couple of months is working through um, a wide range of organisations to get as much information in a usable form as we can to uh, people who are receiving supports from the NDIS uh, so that they understand what the Commission's role is, understand Uh, how to contact us and feel quite confident about uh, what the organisation is there for and how it can support them.
0: It sounds very positive. I wish you all the best, Commissioner, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, George. Great to talk to you. That's
0: all we have time for on today's episode of Readable and Necessary, brought to you by the Summer Foundation. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page Building Better Lives, for all previous podcasts and transcripts. We also love hearing from you, so please leave your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, stay well and reasonable.